breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta Injury Lawyers, the heavy hitters of injury law. McAdoo out, Jackson in. We've been talking about change for a while. We've been saying they got to do something. Well, finally today, something is done, and it is a pretty significant move. Stephen McAdoo removed as the offensive coordinator of your Edmonton Elks, Jarius Jackson, who's going to stay as the QB coach, also adds offensive coordinator to his job responsibilities. McAdoo will remain with the team, and he will be in an advisory role on defense. I had somebody say to me earlier today, so McAdoo stays with the Elks, and I said, well, yeah. I mean, you're paying him anyway, so I guess you might as well find a job for him to do. And they said, but why on defense? And I said, well, if there's anybody who knows about preventing points, it's McAdoo. So that's the headline today from the Edmonton Elks. And, of course, we have plenty to discuss about it. Chris Jones and Jarius Jackson both fielded questions from the media today. There was a news conference at 11 a.m. at Commonwealth Stadium. I attended that. So we got a lot of tape. And, of course, we have time to hear from you. Blake Dermott is going to chime in later on tonight and I guess a perfect day to have our uh, weekly edition of the Elks this week between 7.30 and 8 with Morley Scott and Dave Campbell who were part of our broadcast crew on Saturday along with Brendan Escott as the Elks played what uh, I am comfortable saying was one of the worst offensive games in the history of the franchise Um, certainly since uh, I've been a season ticket holder in 1997 shut out for the second time this year and not getting a sniff of the end zone. The only play that almost broke the shutout was a a lucky whitehead drop that was originally ruled a fumble, but then was correctly overturned to an incompletion. They had a field goal attempt, a lengthy one from 48 yards that was not even close off the foot of Dean Faithful, which is perhaps an aside to all this, is why do they insist on employing a kicker who can't kick field goals? But that's not the story today, but perhaps something we'll dive into later on. Um, just, Just a putrid, disgusting performance by the Elks offense on Saturday. And I want to clarify here, this is on the offense. This is on the offense. Yes, I realize that you know, the, the defense gave up some points. 27 points is usually a little too much to give up to win a game. Uh, and certainly some penalties that were very regrettable, though I wasn't sure about all the pass interference calls. But some undisciplined penalties, you know, a no yards, a rough play on a punt, stuff like that. Okay, so yes, there were some other issues. And the special teams unit isn't great. But it's zero points. And it's zero points for the second time this season. So I'm not going to beat the drum about flaws on the other units. Because as long as you're not scoring... <laughs> I'm not going to nitpick a, a PI penalty or a, or a punt that didn't go far enough or coverage that wasn't quite good enough. I, I'm really not. This is on the offense, and it's on the offense game after game after game. Well, eight games. Eight, eight games. Here's the, here's the updated stat. The Elks are on pace to score 236 points this season. I mean, 336 wouldn't be very good. They've only been below 400 three times in an 18-game season since the league went to 18 games in 1986. So to potentially not even get to 300, that is borderline unfathomable. 
inconceivable, whatever word you want to use. And what did we see on Saturday? Well, we saw extreme stubbornness and an extreme lack of execution. We saw the same types of plays being called that don't push the ball down the field, that rely heavily on, on trying to execute you know, perfect blocking and hitting, hitting a guy in the perfect part of the field so he can catch a two-yard pass and then hopefully run for eight yards, which rarely happens, and a, and a quarterback who has struggled all year long and continues to struggle. Look, I've been critical of Taylor Cornelius. I've said that that you know, really, he was replaced for the Ottawa game by Jared Daigie. I would have stuck with Daigie, even though he didn't play at that game. But okay, they went back to Cornelius. He's had some okay moments, but generally his play has been poor. Um, but it, it reached the point on Saturday where I felt bad for him, and I, I was thinking to myself, why is why is this guy playing? Like, is it Chris Jones's uh, goal to torture the guy? Is, is it his goal to make him feel as, as poor about himself as he possibly can? Now, I guess in the wake of this, Cornelius uh, demoted, and we'll have comments on that, and, and McAdoo fired. Maybe Jones was saying, all right, I'm giving these guys one final game. I'm going to give them every possible play to see if they can do something positive and change my mind, though I think Jones's mind was made up going into this game. Um, but, man, oh, man, that was it was tough to watch Cornelius. I, I, the, the fans, obviously the booing was as intense as I've ever heard. Uh, and, again, season tickets since '97. Uh, the booing was as intense as I've ever heard uh, in terms of displeasure towards the performance of the home team. Um, but it was, and I don't think it was Cornelius really getting booed. I mean, certainly his play is poor and frustrating, but I'm going to share something here. I talk a lot about my mom on this show. Uh, she's a very passionate fan. Um, she booed the Elks. My mom is 78 years of age. She has liked this team since she was a little kid growing up near Lamont. Didn't have a TV till you know, she was in her late teens or early 20s. I can't remember which. Like, listening to the games on the radio. I guess they were on CJCA before on 630 Chad. Uh, you know, usually she wouldn't even think about doing that. She, she booed the team, and then she leaned over to me, and she said, I want to clarify, I'm not booing Cornelius I'm booing the coaches at this point and and I and I understood where she was coming from like it was just I I I actually felt bad for yes he's a pro athlete and yes he has to deal with adversity and it's his job to to play well and prepare but it was it was at the point like this guy's confidence is I, I don't think shattered is even the right word shattered would would indicate to me you can pick up the pieces and reassemble something I think Cornelius's confidence has been obliterated and that last game didn't help. And it, I, I kept thinking about something my colleague on the Oilers broadcast, Rob Brown, often says to me. Um, he says, you, you, can't, you can't criticize a player for, for, for ask, if you are asking him to do something that he's not capable of doing. You know, in that case, it's on the coaches or the organization for putting him in that wrong situation. And to me, that's the point it was at with Cornelius. He should have been removed from being the starting quarterback, in my mind, games ago. Certainly, I thought after he threw the left-handed pass against Hamilton, at which, by the way, he tried another flip pass while being sacked this last game against BC with his right hand, and it was intercepted, but it was negated by a penalty. So he's still making those types of bad decisions. But 
to me, that's the thing. I, I think we have, and this is not a knock it on the guy, the, the human being or anything like that. Uh, he's been on this show. He's been a guest. He's been a gentleman to deal with. Uh, I'm sure he's a wonderful human being, but I, I just didn't think he should be, be continually trotted out there. And again, asked to be a starting quarterback when he clearly doesn't have that ability. Now, Mary, maybe Jarrett Dagey and Trey Ford don't have that ability either, but I think it's high time to find out, and, and we are going to in the games to come. Chris Jones started off the media availability today. He was asked, why make the change, man? Uh, well, it, it gave an opportunity. It was uh, The bye week gave us opportunity to have time to, to be able to make the moves necessary, what we feel like uh, moving forward. Well, I mean, again, when you're 0-8 and you've stubbed your toe as many times offensively as we have, there's uh, it becomes a time, and there was enough time that uh, it was evident that we needed to, to make a move. All right, and so the other thing in here is the performance, the play calling, and then there is the personnel. And I guess that ties into what I was saying earlier. If, if, if look, we, we a lot of us, I'm I, I fair to lump a lot of you in with my feelings based on the feedback I've had from you this season. I, I would say a lot of us didn't like McAdoo's approach. Maybe some people did. I, I feel like the majority of the fans were fed up with McAdoo. And as I, I wasn't a fan of how McAdoo called the game in 2015 when they were winning a great cup, but you had a certain gentleman named Michael Riley at the quarterback. Anyway, but so the, so the play calling, the scheme, what, the approach, the mentality, whatever you want to call it, that has been criticized. Now, the other thing is then is the execution of the personnel. Um, because if you don't have great players, maybe it doesn't matter what plays are being called. Uh, Jones was asked if they have good pieces on offense. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, preseason, nobody would have envisioned that we'd be in this position. Uh, and I'm not saying that, you know, we're saying that we're going to be undefeated, but at the same time, nobody saw 0-8 either. So uh, it's a good time to reflect, and, and you can learn a lot about yourself and about the people around you and the people that, that you get to see every day also exactly when you're in this position. All right. Well, and that's, and again, I guess I get that's why I, I go back to this all being on the offense. Um, I think, well, certainly I did. I, I think most Elks fans had modest expectations for this season. I don't think anybody thought they were going to go from last year to a great cup contender. I said before the season it would be great if they could flirt with 500 and flirt with a playoff spot. So really what I'm saying is a seven or eight win season. If you win eight, you might get in. Um, and I still think the defense and the special teams have been good enough that if you had an offense that maybe even was even below average, you might have three wins. Because you've probably won both games against Saskatchewan, and maybe you figure out a way to beat Hamilton, especially without turning that ball over when they did. So that's why I'm not going to say too much about the other units until the offense actually starts doing something. And I, I literally mean something, because again, we're coming off a shutout for the second time this season. Here's what Jones had to say about Taylor Cornelius. Well, certainly his confidence been, has been rattled. You can look at the film and you can watch the TV copies of the games and look at, you know, his reaction to plays and that type of thing. So certainly his confidence has been uh, has been hurt. Uh, I, and I look at it like a starting pitcher, you know, in baseball. They don't just throw their starting pitcher out when he when he loses his curveball in the seventh. They bring in people to try to help him. So we're going to we're going to look at all avenues. Uh, I mean, Trey's going to get a, a solid look. Uh, Daigie's going to get a solid look. 
look and then we're not going to throw you know taylor you know out the door i mean taylor's gonna he comes from a, a very good family he's got high character he'll do our third down stuff and he will stay prepared he's not going to not go into the game that type of thing so he's a he's a solid kid he actually has been good on third down on the quarterback sneaks they should have had him doing it in week one when they couldn't get in against saskatchewan but that's water under the bridge i suppose so it it sounds like we're going to have a bit of a competition here between daigie and ford maybe they both play maybe this is you know <laughs> i'm not saying they're going to alternate plays but maybe they both they both play here you give both they compete at practice a little bit maybe they both get into games uh i i think daigie is certainly a more aggressive thrower more willing to try to put the ball into tight spots than Cornelius was. We know that Ford can run. We know that Jones wasn't thrilled with his training camp or some of his performances in practice, but we're running out of options here for quarterback. Also on Saturday, uh, now this was uh, reported by uh, Brendan Escott after the game on the points after show. Uh, Dave Campbell and Morley Scott talked about it as well, and they saw some of it. You know how it looks at Commonwealth Stadium. You got the, the the media level, which is also where the coaches' boxes are for the teams. And you had fans, not saying lots of them, but fans in front of where McAdoo was calling the game, yelling at, heckling, criticizing uh, McAdoo as, as the game was going on. People were not assaulting him physically. They were not getting into the Brian Hall Media Center to go after McAdoo like that, but they, they were making sure that they that he saw them and heard them, and Jones was asked today about the fans yelling at McAdoo. Well, it's unfortunate because, again, these guys, I know how hard that our entire coaching staff works and what the, you know, and how much our team means to them. And that's unfortunate, but I understand their frustration, certainly. I mean, uh, it's not like we just get up in the morning and, and want to be in this position, but we are, you know, where we're at, and now it's uh, an opportunity for us to move forward. All right. And uh, this is, I mean, this is a, a disaster of a season to this point. I mean, let's face it. How many games are they going to win, everybody? There's 10 games left. Are they good enough to win five? Nope. I mean, it's like I've been saying, win a game. Win a game, then we can talk about getting to two. I mean, this this is not good. Uh, and there's a lot of blame to go around. So another thing in this, the offensive line is is not very good. They haven't been able to get a run game going. Uh, the pass blocking isn't always great. The quarterback and the play caller haven't been very good, so they've changed two of those three today. You can't change the entire offensive line. You can try to do different things here to run the ball or give the quarterback an- another second or so to throw the ball. Um, but then, of course, Chris Jones. Chris Jones is the guy here. He's the head coach. He's the GM. He's picking the staff. He's picking the players. He's also the defensive coordinator. He was asked today about handling all three of those jobs. Yeah, I mean, it's the same as it's always been. I mean, the same number of hours in every day. And uh, so now, like I say, it gives me an opportunity during the bye week to put a plan in place for the second half of the season. you envision maintaining those roles through the rest of the season? Absolutely. Yeah, well, I, I, like Chris Jones isn't going to give up any of those jobs. Um, he will be the coach and GM for the rest of the season. Uh, and the defensive coordinator. I know that's not what everybody wants to hear, but I I don't see any change in that area. After the season, especially if they're 0-18, which, again, is still on the table, then we could be having a different discussion. But this is a significant change today. Will it help? 
And that's one of my many questions to you that you can answer at 780-496-0063. The hotline presented by CertainTeed, the pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling systems. CertainTeed Pro all the way. You can email the show inside sports at 630ched.com. And you can get me on Twitter at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S. Uh, will it help? Is, is the timing appropriate? Uh, what do you want to see from the team? Coming out of this, as I said, you know, the playoffs are a long shot, even in a division with two other sub-part like the Saskatchewan Rough Riders are a pretty bad team, and the Elks have lost to them both times. Uh, 780-496-0063. You're also going to hear from Jarius Jackson, who takes over as the offensive coordinator. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta Injury Lawyers, the heavy hitters of injury law. All right, so Jarius Jackson takes over as the Elks offensive coordinator. He had this to say about play calling. We have to definitely call things that suit to the quarterback, uh, as well as potentially, um, you know, pushing the ball down the field a little bit more, giving our guys that can stretch the field opportunities. Um, you know, it's hard to go uh, 18, 12 to 18 play drives in this league. Um, you know, we don't have Ricky Gray here. We don't have Mike Riley here. We have the guys that we have. So we have to do things that, that, that suit uh, their strong points and, and brings out uh, their capabilities as playing quarterbacks. All right. Well, they got to push the ball, and I'm not saying throw long bombs, but you got to try to get more passes in the in the 10 to 18 yard range for sure. We got Jim on the Certainty Hotline. Jim, go ahead. Oh, hi, all you guys. Yeah. Uh, I went to the game. Uh, of course, I taped the game. I wanted to watch it afterwards, and uh, you know, I've long said, you know, we have an offensive coordinator there that was an offensive lineman. I don't understand why we wouldn't want more more of a quarterback type like Jason Moss or Dickinson or somebody like that. That was my first issue with the offensive coordinator. The, there was a comment made by Glenn Suter on the television broadcast where he said we're giving Jones a lot of respect. He didn't say we're giving him too much respect. He said we're giving him a lot of respect. And I'm really wondering if, if his, uh, his time is really gone as a coach. I don't think he's accomplished a lot lately. And the comment that I have to make, uh, I didn't understand why with about a minute left in the game, why he would change the quarterback at that point. I know. That told yeah. me that he has no respect for Daggy at all, and he certainly has no respect for Trey Cord. So I don't think this is a player's coach. I, don't, I think you change the coach. These players have a lot of self-respect, and I think this team will, will gel together very quickly. Yeah, I, I mean, again, I, I would have had Daggy in the game long before that, and then he was warming up to go in for the last drive, which turned out to be only 16 seconds long, but it was almost like, okay, he's going to go in there and hand off twice. Like, like, what's the point? Yeah, thanks, Jim. I appreciate that. Brian, I'll get to you next on the Certainty Hotline. This portion of the show presented by Cougar Paint and Collision, our family helping your family for 40 years. More from Jarius Jackson as well. Elks change the OC. It's Inside Sports on Chet.